0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Lamar Jackson doing his part, albeit not much, but a little bit to get us to understand exactly what's going on with his failure to engage the Ravens in contract talks. That tweet that you see, I love my Ravens. I don't know who the hell putting that false narrative out there that I'm having thoughts about leaving. Stop trying to read my mind. Well, the problem is you're not giving us any clue as to what you're thinking, so we have to read your mind. And that tweet comes out the day after Steve Bishotti, the owner of the Ravens, saying that the situation is quote, unique as hell, end quote, that Lamar Jackson refuses to engage the Ravens in talks on a second contract, refuses to show up and collect his reward, is waiting for reasons unknown to anyone, and one of the theories is he just wants out. Why would you not engage the team in negotiations on the contract you have earned if you want to stay there for the rest of your career? We're trying to interpret what's happening. So it's a false narrative only because there's a vacuum. And in a vacuum of information, narratives are going to emerge. Some may be accurate. Some may not be accurate. But Lamar only has himself to blame. If he's upset that people are saying maybe he wants out of Baltimore, it's because he's acting
1: like somebody who doesn't want to be there. Uh, Agreed. You know, it's, you know, again, I mean, I don't even know if it's a narrative that's out there. It's everybody just trying to figure out what's going on because we've never seen anything like this. And Lamar, you're a superstar. I mean, you're one of the best players in football. So when things go down like this, people speculate. It's weird. It's rare. Your own team is saying it's weird. So, yes, when things like that go down and you're not willing to accept $240 million right now, people go, wait, is there something else going on? Is there another play here? Does he really want to be there? You know That, that comes with the territory there. I don't you know I don't understand and and again I don't even think there's a narrative out there about him. It's just been questions asked about what kind of play he's making. I don't think anybody out there has been like, well, maybe he doesn't like the Ravens. No, definitely not. That's not it. It's just everybody is is there another play here because it's so odd. And when you're you know arguably one of the best players in the game and a guy that's exciting to watch, and and we hear the stories about. The team can't even get you to engage in conversations about it? Of course people are going to speculate. So it's not narrative. It's speculation. And it's because you're a star and a great player, so don't take it like it's you know such a negative thing. You know, Like you said, he's got himself to blame here, and we just are all kind of wondering what the hell is going on. I've been trying to figure out and get some
0: information about what's really going on here. And the only narrative about him leaving baltimore that i had seen is the suggestion that his refusal to engage is part of a seven-year plan to leave after five years of rookie contract two years of franchise tag i was doing the math yesterday on pftpm it's like a 60 million dollar third tag at least if it gets to that point so the ravens wouldn't do it he becomes a free agent he goes wherever he wants if that's what he's trying to do But he hasn't shed any light on that. I don't know. Maybe he only wants to get his contract as somebody who walks to the open market and has the Ravens bidding along with everyone else. But again, just let people know. If you don't want folks to speculate and create narratives that may be false, give people an inkling of what it is that you are doing. Because what you are doing is indeed, as Steve Bashotti said, unique as hell. It's unprecedented. When the team is ready, the Brinks truck has been backed up the back door is swung open, and there are bags of gold bullion sitting on the back of the truck waiting for you to take them. They're just waiting, and you, and you, won't, you won't go up right. and say how many bags you want. Right. I, I, it is astounding to me, especially when we're talking about a quarterback who plays the position with a physicality that no one else currently does, and he's putting himself in a much greater position to get injured than any other quarterback in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I, I don't get it either, Mike. I don't get it. it. And, you know, I mean, there was a time where I thought, like, uh, there's there's logic here. There's something. But I, I, I don't know. There's just too much, you know, evidence out there and, and, and conversation of people never being able to get in contact with Lamar Jackson. You know, never being able to get things done or lined up through Lamar Jackson. So this seems like it's status quo. It's just amazing that we're going away. You can't get – they're they're trying to give you, like you said, the Brinks truck, $250 million, and we still can't get in contact with you. So uh, we're all going to speculate until he gives us a clue of where his mind's at, what he's thinking, what's the approach here uh, as far as his contract situation. It's part of the game, and, you know, it's – it's, yeah, it's one of those things I don't understand about stars or, or star players or stars in general anyways. It's like, you know, I want attention, I want attention, and then they do something that gathers attention, and they're like, well, why are you guys saying this? Why are you giving me attention about this? What do you mean? What are you talking about? Of course we are. You're Lamar Jackson. Yeah. You know that. Hey,
0: everybody, look at me. What the hell are you looking at? And that yeah. was the original J.J. Watt criticism that I had years ago, that they want attention on their own terms. And he has built, whether he intended to or not, a mystery. And people are going to try to solve the mystery. And the best I can discern right now is that he's not going to engage the team at all this year. He's not going to engage them until at the earliest after the coming season, at the earliest. And my fears about why he doesn't have an agent, I think my fears are accurate. Pennywise and pound foolish. Doesn't want to pay a percentage to an agent. So he's going to take 100%. Of a much smaller pie, or no pie at all, if he gets injured. The kind of injury that dramatically affects his ability to play the way that he plays. Instead of taking 97, 98, or 99% of a big-ass pie. And that—that that is the kind of thing that someone needs to sit him down and explain it to him. In no uncertain terms. Whoever is advising him, whoever's putting these ideas in his head. And there are players out there who who... You know, have have gravitated away from agents because they just don't want to pay the agent fee. They don't want to. You know, they get a bill. It's not. It's not removed from their paycheck. Right. If it was removed from their paycheck, this is the tax dynamic. When I used to be an employee of a law firm, I'd get my check, and then the taxes would come out of it, and you just don't think anything of it. Right. Then when I had my own place. Yeah. And I had to pay taxes to every the quarter. Check.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: you got to ri- every quarter. Yeah. April 15, June 15, September 15, January 15. I dread those days, even now, because through PFT, I'm, I'm still the owner. I still got to pay quarterly taxes. It sucks. You don't want to pay that money. It's so much easier if you've never had it. And I think that dynamic comes into play with the agent fees. I they should just take right. the agent fees out of the checks because you've got to write that check every year. So if you're making... 40 million, and you're paying 3%, 1.2 million? You got to write to your agent every year? That's a hard check to write, folks. Yeah, it is. That's a hard check to write. And you're not thinking then, well, you know, I wouldn't have gotten 40 million without this agent. I would have gotten 35 million. So the 5 million would already be gone, but I never would have known it. I never would have had it. I never would have had to pay it. I don't want to pay it. I don't want to pay that 1.2 million. It may be that. I'm. I'm. I've heard that it is that simple. Yeah, he just doesn't want to pay the agents.
1: It, it goes on in the NFL. There. I mean. I. You know. I had a, had a, a few players. I feel like in every team I was on that, you know, had a. You know, that that issue with. I don't know if I really want an agent. Should I just do it myself? Can I find an agent to do it for one percent? You know. And even that within that. You know, players into my opinion and just knowing the business on both sides a little bit and all that when when players do do that to an agent too and it's 1% or 1% the agent doesn't work as hard for you either they don't they don't you know I think a lot of teams would tell you in the NFL that that agent that does things for 1% or 1.5% there's little details that get lost in that from him losing that other 1.5% when they do contracts there is there's great benefit to your point uh for the for the agent there really is they know this is their this is what they do like we said yesterday or whatever it was the day before you know Lamar you play quarterback you're not an agent you know the agent he's an agent he doesn't play quarterback there's a reason for that and you know that's where I'm always a believer in let's listen to the people who know what they're talking about and you know have real knowledge on the the situation handle a situation it was always a fascinating story. It was
0: made more intriguing this week with the comments from Bashotti. Bishotti. Yeah, right. and, and you throw the Deshaun Watson contract on top of it. Bishotti's comments about that. Yeah, we, we said last year, take in the Josh Allen contract and say, give me this. Now take in the Deshaun Watson contract and say, give me this and see what they say. Do something. But what he's determined to do is have his best season ever and maybe engage the Ravens after that he's looking at about 32 33 34 million under the franchise tag next year depending upon how high the cap goes because the tag now is driven primarily by cap growth not whatever the average of the five highest paid quarterbacks was in the prior year they got away from that 10 years ago it's a percentage of the cap on a five-year rolling average and that percentage gets applied to the new cap so you know if the cap Goes up 15, 20%. It goes up 15, 20% over the 29 million that it was this year, and it lands around 34, 35 million. That's still well below market value. That's what's weird about the quarterback franchise tag. It's well below the top of the market. So maybe the Ravens are fine with that. That's the thing. At the end of the day, I mean, the Ravens would love to have certainty. At the end of the day, this helps them. They are able to keep Lamar Jackson at a bargain rate 24 million this year for Lamar Jackson. Hell yes. Yeah. 34 million up. next year for Lamar Jackson. Right. Hell yes. It'll be 40 million the year after that, 20% increase over his fresh. Hell yes. That's a bargain compared to what the market currently is and he continues to carry the risk of injury. I know. Not us. Right. We're never making that 200 million dollar guarantee, 250 million dollar guarantee. And maybe by the time that he
1: finally engages us, we say we're never going to because uh, you, you're damaged goods now. I, I, that's what he's got to be worried about. Let alone, listen, he's in the perfect place. We know this. This is a team that went all in on him and devised an offense that fit him and playing a style of football that, you know, is taking a chance, period. You say what you want. It's awesome. I love that John Harbaugh did it, but we've not we've yet to see a team that plays this style of football go to a Super Bowl and win it. We have not seen it. I mean, again, we're seeing limited even playoff wins, this style of football doing this, you know, and and, then that's where, you know, I would think he'd have a little bit like, hey, let me get signed up and be here because they're all in on me and the way I play football, you know, so that's where I'm I'm a little surprised by that, too. You know, I I am I because it's it's set up for him and they've set it up for him and they do everything for him. They speak highly for of him. And uh, that's where I just don't understand the, the whole situation. I'm going to peel the curtain back
0: just a little bit and tell you about last night because Peter King had the story of Bruce Arians stepping down, and it debuted on my platform, PFT, and I've been very grateful to have Peter's column on PFT for the past three or four years. So this was a, a, a deviation from the normal Monday morning thing, so there was some communications about what was going on. And when I first caught wind of the fact that Peter had a big story that was posting that night, my first thought was, Lamar Jackson's getting traded. That was my first thought. I didn't even think of Arians. I thought with all this stuff boiling with Lamar Jackson, yeah. somebody said "f them picks" and swooped in and did a trade for Lamar Jackson. That was my. That was where my brain That's your brain went. went. Yeah, I was yeah.
1: thinking it was Sean Payton to the Dallas Cowboys or something like that. That's what I was. Yeah. I was thinking of that, uh, but uh, I I know. I mean, it's, this is. Um, this is the one of the weirdest situations I've ever seen with a franchise quarterback. I mean, it, it's not one that you feel like's going to really affect their team a whole lot. He doesn't seem concerned enough to where it's going to affect his play on the field. The organization's a little handcuffed with what they can do with the future, but like you said, they're probably still going, well, all right, fine. I mean, yeah, he must get franchised next year. Sure, all right, whatever. There's a lot of positives for them in that aspect, too, and they're not paying that big chunk yet. Uh, but, but at some point, too, I mean... Does it affect? Like, does it start to affect? Do they pay big money to somebody here, or or do something that way, and then go? Wait, you know, we wanted to give you the new contract this year, but we've kind of gotten to a spot here where now we got to wait till next year. We can't pay you right now. I got to wait till after the season. I, I just there's so many factors here that make you scratch your head and question the whole thing.
0: That, that gets back to the point from yesterday when Steve Bisciotti suggested that Lamar Jackson wants to win a Super Bowl and then get his reward. He doesn't realize that not getting your contract and not helping with salary cap management makes it harder to, to win a Super Bowl. But, but if he is going to go year to year, 24, 34, and 40, that's better for the Ravens over the next three years than what they would pay if he had – a long-term contract the cap numbers may be higher and that then really that's the problem the cap numbers probably are higher because with these franchise quarterback contracts you push those dollars into future years so it's it's uh is there it's a unprecedented situation it was the there really
1: a narrative though that's where i wanted like was there really a narrative like uh, when he said that i wanted to be like ah, uh well i don't know if there was really a narrative
0: yeah. i I know that I saw others suggest that this is a genius move by him because all he has to do is put in his seven years and then he can leave. And I've said this is either strategic, that he is trying to get out eventually, or it's just horribly misguided. That this is either a plan that he's hoping to execute. Yeah.
1: Or he just... He just doesn't have a plan. Yeah, we're, we're the and only one. I'd like you're to think he one. has a plan. I know. I know. But you're the only one that's gone down this road of this conversation for, oh, for the well, most part. he's talking
0: about me. Maybe I, maybe I'm the one that I he wants like to shut he the is. hell up.
1: I feel like he is. Well, I know. I feel like he – when I saw this quote, I wanted to be like, wait, I I didn't really see anybody even bring this up other than Mike Florio. And then, of course, I talked about it with you. But, again, that you weren't setting forth a narrative. We were just going trying to piece things together because, like you said a minute ago – it's one of the weirdest, most remarkable situations we've ever seen surrounding a, a franchise quarterback. Uh, there is a team literally sitting there with a box of cash going, please take it, please. It's hundreds of millions of dollars. And there's a quarterback that's like, what are you calling? Is the phone ringing? Huh? I don't even know. What? Oh, there's money. I don't know. I'm just going to keep playing football. It, it's, it's crazy. My
0: guess is that the narrative that he noticed came from doing this on his mentions. And seeing people saying, "What's going on, Lamar? Do you want out of Baltimore?" And with the the comments from Bashati, I think that probably he caused an uptick a more. in people yeah, being concerned. Right. Like Lamar, what are you leaving? What's going on here? I I would I would guess that that's how he became aware of this narrative that he says is false, and that's fine. At least we now have some understanding. Assuming he's telling the truth, yeah, we have some understanding of what he's doing. We still don't fully understand what he's up to or how it's going to play out. Now, he is, he is one in a string of quarterbacks who ended up taking the league by storm in their second NFL seasons, which is good news for the 49ers because Trey Lance, we think, or we thought was going to be on the field in his second season, making take, maybe taking the NFL by storm. Jed York, the owner of the 49ers this week at the league meetings, talked about the situation in San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo still there. Trey Lance getting started, and he made an interesting comparison. Let's hear directly from Jed York. You know, I mean, if, if Steve Young can sit on a bench for four seasons, like Steve Young's a Hall of Famer, you know, and if he's willing to do it and he has a competitive drive to do it, why can't somebody else? And I, I think those two drove each other in the late 80s and early 90s to be the best that they could possibly be. And if if that's the situation that we have, and that's what's created, like I'm, sign me up for that problem any day. Yeah, yeah. Look, why can't someone else sit for four years? Because the world has changed in the NFL. You can't sit a first round pick for four years. You just can't. You don't give up. In all three first round picks and a third round pick for a guy that's going to have his ass on the bench for four years. That's lunacy in today's NFL. Yeah, that was different that's back pre-free agency. Right. You ended up you ended up getting Steve Young on the roster. You still had Joe Montana. Yeah, sorry Steve, but what else are you going to do? We got your contract. We got your rights. You have no way out. Right. In today's NFL it's different. It is. In today's NFL yeah. guys who want out just say I want out and hey
1: teams are accommodating them. Yeah, is. this is not 1991 anymore. No, exactly. I mean it's just not the same, you know. And when they made the trade for Steve Young what in 87, you know, somewhere in there, right? Around that time uh, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the league is you can't even compare the league to then and now. The 49ers were the New York Yankees at that time. There was no salary cap in football. They spent more money than everybody. And they were, hell oh, wait, we got a backup quarterback making a million on the bench. So what? They didn't care. It didn't matter. It had no, no effect on their football team, let alone, you know, Steve Young was, you know, yeah, this guy that's talented, BYU, Tampa, USFL, but there's issues too. You know, we got to fix his throwing. I mean, it's well-documented how, how the efforts they went through to get him better at throwing the football. So it wasn't ready anyways right away, either way there, too. It was looked at as a project. And I know Lance has looked at it a project, but not like to this. It's the number three pick of the draft. You don't like, hey, it's a project we think will be our quarterback about a half a decade from now. That's how much we believe in him. It's insane. Assets are more valuable now. So, I, I mean, I understand what Jed York's trying to say there. I get that. He said, "Hey, two guys. All right, these, we had two guys once. It it can work. The handing of the baton and the organization never loses a you know a step. Okay, I, I get that, but." You know, this is a little different in the fact, like you said, assets, the money being thrown out there, the money being wasted on it. You know, the, the yes, the egos involved in this and just maybe not wanting to look bad for giving Jimmy G away for not what they wanted to expect. There's so many things that play into this, and it's just not the same situation, like you said, in the late 80s. It's not. And, and assets are more valuable now in the NFL than ever before because of free agency and the salary cap and all that, and they gave away a ton of assets assets to get this guy where we're saying he could be sitting on the bench for a few years that that doesn't make sense.
0: April 24, 1987, the 49ers acquire Steve Young from the Buccaneers for a second round and fourth round pick. He had 4 years left on his contract at the time. He was signed through 1990 and the bottom line is when his contract expired after the 1990 season, he had no path to the market. His choices after 1990, assuming he didn't get an extension before then, and I I don't have in front of me when and if he signed his next contract, but he wouldn't have been able to leave. He showed up with four years committed to the 49ers and unless they would have left him unprotected under the old Plan B free agency, if anyone remembers that. That was the middle ground between no free agency at all and kind of free agency. There would be a number of contracts that could be protected every year. There were a group of guys who were available to be signed by other teams, and that was the first time the NFL dipped its toe in the free agency water. It was Plan B free agency. That would have been his only path out before the CBA of 93. So he couldn't leave after 4 years. They were able to squat on him as long as they wanted to. So it's entirely different. They can't let this go for 4 years. Are you I I don't know whether Jed York was just kind of loosely using his words or what, but you're not going I mean you've only got Jimmy Garoppolo under contract for one more year. Surely you're not going to keep him for 3 more years?
1: No, I listen, I think this is just this ongoing PR propaganda a selling point from the 49ers of trying to get more and trade value from Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I think at the or end anything of the, or anything, not right. more, yeah, anything. anything. I, that's where we're at. I think we kind of, you know, we've unpacked this a lot during the week. That's that's what they're trying to do here. They are. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, they already told us. I mean, Shanahan told us on the Tuesday press conference, the plan was to trade Jimmy G and start Trey Lance. I mean, they told us. I don't know if he meant to say that or not, but that's literally what came out of his mouth. And wait, now they can't trade him and what? And now they're trying to, you know, oh, well, we might keep him because, oh, wait, he's got a shoulder injury and that makes it harder. But we might keep him. Oh, so you better have to trade us, you know, something important to give him away now because we might – we might just stay here and make this a Steve Young, Joe Montana thing and just kind of ride this out. We got two good quarterbacks. It's a good problem to have. Uh, that, that's what they're doing. That's certainly what it seems only, like to me.
0: The only good problem is no problem. And are they stubborn enough? I'm sitting here running this through my head. Are they stubborn enough to keep Jimmy G and pay him $25 million just because they didn't want to admit we overplayed our hand, we didn't get anything for him, we were going to move forward with Trey Lance, but you know what? We're just going to keep Jimmy G one more year because we don't want to just cut him. And I, it makes no sense. You need that 25 million for Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa. I know. I know that's $25 million. that can be devoted to other people who are actually going to be part of the team over the long haul. So you're going to keep around a quarterback that, you know, there's a hard ceiling on what he's ever going to be able to do for you. And you're going to keep him for one more year just to justify now.
1: And he's not going to come back, right? He's not going to come back. Why would he want to come back? That's not going to happen you know he could play bad and get benched and you have no value for him next year you know or during the season or whatever early in the year or whatever you know to, to me none of it makes sense none of it lines up here's here's, this, here's their here's time the is now or never, now or never. here's the reality
0: when you go through life acting like you're the smartest guy in the room you eventually realize you're the dumbest that's that's what's going on they're they're out there. they think they think that people don't understand what they're trying to do and it's just, it's just and meanwhile, it's dragging down Trey Lance's career. You're playing these games with Jimmy Garoppolo and whether we're going to get something and how long we're going to play this out and maybe we'll actually keep him and it'll be Joe Montana and Steve Young. You act like everybody else is stupid, 49ers. You act like we're all stupid and we don't see through what you're doing. Meanwhile, you got a young quarterback that you should be focused on getting the most out of him. You gave up three first-round picks and a third-round pick for this guy and he's left to wonder what in the hell's going on. I thought I was the guy. Instead, they're keeping the guy everybody loves because they can't get a third-round pick for him or whatever it is they want. I mean, God, talk about Pennywise and Pound Foolish.
1: Yeah, I, I, agreed. There's there's no doubt. And, yeah, I would think the play would be, let's start the Trey Lance era and give him the confidence and really start grooming him and getting the locker room behind him. Hey, the guys in the locker room, too, They're, they're sitting there going, what? We might – Wait, why did we, they're going to start questioning it too. Why did we trade three first round picks for a guy that's going to play three years later? What the hell is that doing for us right now? Uh, that, that's, and, and, uh, that's going to bother guys s- too.
0: When stuff like this happens, I'll get the fan base saying, why are you being so mean? Why do you hate the teams? I should just say, fine, I won't say anything. Go ahead and do your stupid ass things. Go ahead, do dumb things and wonder why you can't get to where you want to get to. Go ahead, keep doing dumb things because this is dumb. This is dumb. You made the decision last year to go all in with Trey Lance. And again, unless they're concerned that Lance isn't ready, unless that's really what's at the core of this, unless there's a difference of opinion in the organization about whether or not we really want to give the ball to Trey Lance, who we thought we were going to see a lot more of than we did last year. They're, just, they're, being, they're being stupid. They think they're being smart. Yeah, They're being stupid. Let's take a break. Some leftovers from the owner's meetings, including a look at some stuff that was said. We'll try and figure out what it really means. We'll do that next on PFT Live. I'll just say I'm a Patriot fan big time first and more than anything it, it bothers me that we haven't been able to win a playoff game in the last three years and I'm happy that um, we had a great, I think we had a great draft last year and it made up for what happened the previous Four years or so, and I look forward to hopefully having a great draft this year. That's the only way you can build your team for long term and consistently that uh, you have a chance of winning is having a good draft. Bob Kraft. Damn, was well, that some passive-aggressive shots at Bill Belichick or what? I think it was aggressive-aggressive. Yeah, you're right. But, you know, I remember last year they were selling this idea that we expect to have a better draft and a better offseason with some of the changes that were made. And I remember thinking they were maybe dumping on Nick Casario because that was the one big change that had been made. I remember thinking that at one point last year that they were throwing shade at him. But regardless, the way it came out earlier this week from Bob Kraft. Yeah, if I'm Belichick, I'm thinking, oh, boy, I, what, come on. How, how many more rings do I need to win before I get a little bit of leeway to try to rebuild this team? So he says it bothers me we haven't won
1: a playoff game in three years. Is there a deeper meaning to that from Robert Kraft? Well, I I mean, I, I, I guess. I mean, I'm sure he's bothered. He's used to winning. He wants to be successful. He's a Patriots fan at heart, like you said. I know that, too. But. I I don't know. I just look at that and go, damn. I mean, you're going to say that after playoff wins every year for 20 years straight and like 10, you know, AFC championship games or 11 of them and six Super Bowl wins. Like you're that's, you're going to say that and then, you know, do that. Okay. They got to the playoffs, you know, with Brady in the last year, you know, they were uh, amazing on defense that year. Offense was an issue. They got upset at home by the Titans. You missed the playoffs for a year, COVID year, all that, but still we're kind of competitive. And then in a year where you rebuild the team, you go back to the playoffs and, like, totally exceed expectations. I mean, people who picked the Patriots to go to the playoffs last year got crapped on in social media. Like, oh, that's ridiculous. You're crazy. So that, to me, is a little bit of like an under-the-radar shot, let alone to talk about, you know, the draft was good, but those previous four years, like, damn, those were some shots at Bill Belichick. The other thing, too, just from a matter of customer
0: relations, yes, he's a Patriots fan, but if the Patriots fan-in-chief – is saying, I'm not happy with things that are currently going on. The average Patriots fan is going to say, hey, I'm not happy either with what's going on. You kind of want to rally the troops. Hey, we had a great run. It was unprecedented. I think people should really appreciate how difficult that was. And now we're laying the foundation to try to do it again. And it takes some time when you remove one of the greatest players to ever put on a football uniform from the mix. It takes some time, but but we're moving in the right direction. We got to the playoffs this year. So it's a glass half full, glass half empty. I'm kind of surprised he came off as glass half empty because, again, the rest of the fan
1: base is going to take his lead, and they're going to feel the way about the team that the owner of the team does. I, and I feel like there's a portion of the fan base that kind of wants to jump off on this anyways. That's like they want, you know, one, they prove it's Brady more – you know, I feel like some of the media is a little tired of, you know, Belichick up there. You know, I, I felt like the year after Brady left, like they all had fun taking their shots at Belichick. I mean, some of the people on radio up there were just plain disrespectful to his face. Like, you lost three games. You suck, don't you? Answer it. Why don't you suck? And you want to be like, are you serious? Guy comes on your show. And this is. The greatest coach in the history of football, and he's got one year that's a little iffy, and that's how they treat him? I feel like there's a little bit of that out there right now. I do. I don't, I don't know why, but even, you know, you, you see it during the year. And you see people even on social media right now making fun of Belichick and their free agency moves and the fact that they haven't done enough. So, I, I don't It's a weird element up there right now in the New England fan base with, you know, the Brady-Craft-Belichick triangle of love and who deserves it and whatever else from a team that hasn't won a
0: playoff game in three years to a team that hasn't won a playoff game in 30 years. The Detroit Lions, Brad Holmes. See, it's all a matter of perspective. The the Lions would love to be able to say, (laughs) God, it's been three years since we won a playoff game. They had a celebration at halftime of a game five years ago to commemorate the 1991 Lions, who were the last team in franchise history to win a playoff game. And I remember thinking as that was happening, probably not something you should be bragging about. No. Probably, probably not something that justifies. They're talking about of commemoration. the Detroit Rams
1: right now. My you know? God! <laughs> I mean, yeah, it does it all too? Uh, uh,
0: Brad Holmes says they've had dialogue with a couple of teams about trading down from the number two overall pick. We hear that every year at this time. When he says that, what do you think he really
1: means? Well, I, I think it's a possibility. I don't. I don't think that's a crazy thought. There. This is a team that's, you know, got a lot of needs and some things to play with, to where they could probably play this. You know a a few different angles or ways you you got the number two pick like we talked about I think on Tuesday you got pick 32 and you got pick 34 so they they got some leeway and some assets here to play with to you know maybe end up with multiple three three first round picks whatever you know again I haven't got enough into the draft yet I haven't evaluated offensive linemen and pass rushers right You know, and and the Lions, I think you look at it and a lot of people think, oh, pass rusher, right? Well, you know, some people think there's four or five pass rushers that are very close and linked together as football players. So maybe you go, we could trade down seven, eight spots and get still one we really like and get another first round pick out of it. I could see that being a a possibility. I don't think they want to take a quarterback at number two. So this is one where I do think there's a little merit behind it, Mike. Uh, At least that's what I think. And I don't know. Do you think so with the way I explain that? Well,
0: yeah, I do. But anytime I see this comment, we've had dialogues about trading down. It's make us an offer. We're in business. And, And you're right. In a year where there are multiple guys that teams could get excited about, if you're holding the second spot, and you go seven, eight, nine deep with guys you'd be thrilled to get, and there's somebody that decides they've got to have that guy at number two. And a lot of it won't be known until we know who the first pick is. Yeah. Who knows right. who the first pick is going to be. But right. it could be that the Lions have something tentatively set up with a couple of teams based upon who the first pick is, and then they trade down. But if you can get more lottery tickets, I'm always a fan of getting more lottery tickets. I know we are in the age of FM picks, but the Jimmy Johnson approach was, And Peter King said this on Friday. It's not about hitting on all your draft picks. It's about having so many draft picks that you inevitably will hit on enough of them. Even if your batting average is horrible, if you have so many picks, you're going to find some great players. Eventually, you're going to trip over somebody who comes in and makes a difference for your team. And so I'm a big proponent. If you could slide from two to five, six, seven, eight, wherever... And pick up some more opportunities to get guys later. And you're just as happy with that guy you get lower in the round that you would get at number two. Do it if you can. Yeah. There's always teams looking to trade down. It's hard to find the team that's looking to trade up. But all it takes is that one team that secretly has fallen in love with a guy that decides it must have. And it's willing to say, F them picks. I want to go get that guy that I must have. Because you never trade up for a better position in the draft. You're trading up because there is a player, player. you want. To get, no and that's that's the key to remember as we get closer to the draft. All right, Andy Reid says there's no rift between Tyreek and myself. That's what he says. What does he mean? Uh,
1: I feel like a lot of people just from the get-go have thought like because they parted ways that there must have been you know a disagreement here. I don't know, Mike. I mean, am I silly? I don't know any inside knowledge of the situation, but of course, you know, like you, pay attention to everything. From everything I've seen, read, feel about the situation, it just seems like, hey, it was they had two different ballparks of what they expected in the money, and when that was, they realized there was a gap there that was not going to be filled. I I, I think it was a professional breakup. I I take him at his word there. I don't think there's a rift. Do you? Well, I. It's possible
0: that there could not be a rift, not be something that has become a rift because you're moving on before it gets to the point where it is a rift, if that makes any sense. And I know that one of the teams that at least kicked the tires on this decided we're out because we've picked, enough, we've picked up enough information to make us think this guy's becoming too much of a diva, he's becoming a problem for the Chiefs, and they're actually happy to offload his contractual commitments, his you know everything about what he brings yeah, to the table. Right. At this point in his career, they were able to sell high. And, and really, they were downright giddy. A little bit publicly, but definitely privately, about getting five draft picks, avoiding $75 million in cash and salary cap obligations over the next few years, and moving on from a guy that they were going to move on from anyway at some point. During Patrick Mahomes' career, Tyreek Hill was leaving at some point. definitely, And, and they, they decided to rip the Band-Aid off now. We'll see what they do going forward, but I think they were very happy to get the return they got and avoid the major payday that they've avoided. That Miami now will commit to Tyree kill. So maybe there was no rift, but maybe the rift was coming. And the key was end it before
1: the rift emerges. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, um, I, I, I don't know there either way. Uh, But, but with, with that, uh, how could Kansas city not be happy with what they got there? You know, like you said, I mean, I think Tyree kill in Kansas city, at least making big money was only going to be a real thing for another two, three years at the very most. Uh, and, and, yeah, I think that probably the marriage would have ended by that time anyways. This is a team that, you know, we talk about, yeah, it's a roll of the dice with the draft, but a team that's got a pretty good track record when it comes to drafting guys. I mean, I think that's pretty real, too. When you look at Veach and Andy Reid, they got a ability to evaluate young talent and then develop it and kind of keep it in their program. They, they, they're proven in that department. So this is one team when you go five picks, yeah, roll of the dice, but – They got a track record where I'd go, this one's a little bit more of a calculated, you know, you might get the numbers come up that you want on the dice with with this group and Veach and Andy Reid.
0: One last one very quickly. Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, claimed that his team had a 75-minute phone call with Sean Watson, and that was it. Now, that's not my understanding. My understanding is they met with him in person in Atlanta. He went home to Atlanta, and they met with him, and ownership was involved. So what he's saying is, we, you know, we're kind of downplaying this. I mean, I, I and I, 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 that, that's a stunner. I don't even know what to say. I, they were in it. It was down to them and the Saints. Why are you trying to back off from it now? This is just odd to me.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what, what that means. Like, what, why, what is the reason to back off of it? What, what like, yeah, that's where I don't understand it either. I mean, what, if in person is. You know, more egregious than talking on the phone for 75 minutes? I, I I don't I don't understand it either. I can't even really make sense of that. I, you know, I, I would be led to believe that it was an in-person meeting too, but I don't know that for sure. So, you know, maybe Arthur Blank's telling the truth here or trying to put the toothpaste back in the bottle for some reason that I don't know what that reason would be other than to, like, what not look bad in the fan base, the, the ones that might have not been happy about the flirtation with Deshaun Watson. Remember when this was all happening
0: a couple of weeks ago, I thought that as teams dropped off, we would hear some of them take this righteous tone of, well, you know, we did our homework and we decided we, we had some misgivings. That hasn't happened. This is the closest thing to that kind of a vibe that, yeah, we really didn't. We really, even though we were one of the final two and we would have gladly taken if we could have gotten and we only talked to him by phone. For 75. Right, so it it's seems just like. odd. Yeah. It's just odd to me. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. The number one receiver on Chris Sims' draft board had a pro day recently. He didn't work out, but he did speak. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. There are the Chris Sims receiver rankings for the 2022 draft. At number one, Jameson Williams from Alabama recovering from acl surgery he said at the pro day workout this week he is shooting for being ready by training camp it's a big risk to take but you know th- this whole acl thing yeah uh, it's it's changing right yeah guys are getting signed to contracts chris godwin gets three years 60 million less than two months Right. Well roughly two months removed from ACL surgery, so uh, you know, a lot of faith that he's gonna come back and he's gonna be perfectly fine, Chris.
1: Yeah, I, I think you know the, the feeling in the NFL circles is, is not far off from what you're saying there. I mean, just the the the, the science behind the surgery, the rehabilitation it's all just gone up, you know, to such a degree where I don't think people are necessarily concerned with ACLs anymore. You know, not to the fact to where like back in the old days, ACL, oh my gosh, he might never be the same. Now it's like, wait, he'll be the same, you know, 12, 14 months from now for sure, and maybe could be the same 7 or 8 months from now if it's some, you know, really guy that can recover quick. But this is he's a special football player. He really is. He's not far off from Devontae Smith and what he was at Alabama two years ago. Now, their team was a little bit different. You know, they weren't quite as talented this year. But the guy has superstar traits, Mike. Can fly. You know, skinnier guy at 180, 81 pounds. But that's bigger than Devontae Smith. But can run by you. Can catch slants. Break somebody's ankles. Stiff arm somebody. Plays really, like. Strong and tough for a guy that, again, is not like the thickest, biggest frame in the world. And a guy that, you know, even with this ACL, Mike, I think the talent on the field to where teams, I, I still don't think he's going to fall far because I think teams are going to look at it and go, all right, so what? He, he might not be able to help us early in the year, but halfway through the year, we can get this guy back and get some good work with them, and then we have a chance to have a superstar receiver after that. I don't think his draft value is going to be hurt too badly by this. And if it is, man, will the Chiefs and Packers be happy. They're going to go, oh my gosh, we might get Jamison Williams sitting here at the end of the first round. So he'll be okay either way. That's going to be the challenge for the teams that clearly
0: need receivers. Do they even consider moving up? Or do they say there's plenty of great receivers? It We're is. We're not going to get so right. caught up in one name mm-hmm. that we mortgage our current and future draft stock just just to get a guy that we've decided would, would really be the answer. But, but that's the thing. With so many great receivers, there are still guys who stink. All due respect, there are still guys who come out that aren't as good as others. And one of these teams may end up with one of those guys when they're really counting on someone to make a splash right away. Let's take a break. When we return, we'll do a draft. The biggest ramifications... Of the sudden and unexpected, unless it wasn't, news that Bruce Arians is out as the head coach of the Buccaneers. The idea that I'm going to play out seven years with the Ravens and then become, bless you, a free agent of NFL media. (coughs) And it's the usual suspects, God bless you, it's the usual suspects every year. And
1: in order to bless you again and really make a move, I'm going to... (laughs) excuse me bless really. you thank you very much. hey well uh, done excuse me everybody
0: <laughs> well done i'm the one that's got seasonal allergies and they're not even seasonal i mean i gotta take allergy medication all year long i take asthma medication that's how bad my allergies are and i take an allergy pill on top of it and i haven't sneezed once that's wow it works yeah i think i'm over medicated when it comes to allergies but that's horrible horrible And, uh, yeah, this is the time of year. Ragweed, pollen, pollen, all that crap. For me, it's always the worst Memorial Day weekend and Labor Day weekend. Those are the two weeks of the year that I – the two times of the year – that I really feel it overpowering my medication, but anyway.
1: Yeah, I hear uh, you. God bless you in Memorial Day in the event that you. I'm with sneaks. you there. That can be where you know the eyes get itchy, the throat's a little scratchy and itchy. Like I, the pollen can bother me definitely to where. Does it's, your
0: does your medication work? Does your separate medication? Uh, that medication, in, that uh, thing is a ma- form. It's magical. That,
1: that thing works. That stuff works against everything. It works against everything. <laughs> All it right, it's a it's a magical plant. <laughs>
0: Biggest ramifications of the Bruce Arians surprise, wink, wink, resignation. Chris, what do you got? You go first.
1: Well, I, I think you know, the biggest ramifications, I guess, they look at is just you know Brady, you know, being able to run the offense the way he wants or sees it fit with with Byron Leftwich. I mean, that that's the thing I, I think comes to my mind first is you know we heard all those rumors about yeah Bruce Arians sticking his nose in the game plan. You know, maybe that was an issue there. Well, there, there's no issue anymore. You know, Brady and Lefwich got you know free reign to do whatever they want. I don't think anybody's going to question anything they do at all. And it's just going to be a concoction of what Brady and Lefwich think is the best way to attack a team every week.
0: I'm stealing something that you pointed out earlier. You had the first pick. You could have taken it. Arians' absence on the sidelines during games. Yeah that, yeah. that is the biggest question mark. We're acting like that it's just seamless and it's no big deal. You're taking out of the mix a guy – and we used the long snapper example earlier. You only notice him when he puts it over the punter's head. This is a guy who rarely puts the ball over the punter's head. He handles the games the right way and uh, makes the right decisions, and it never stands out. And now Todd Bowles is
1: going to have to be able to step into that and do it as well as Bruce Arians did. Yeah, it's something we're all going to be looking at for sure. You know, Again, the, the Arians' aura, You know, the belief he can give a team just because, hey, he's been there, he's done that, you know. Uh, I think that's a real thing with head coaches. I do, so that'll be something to evaluate as we as we go forward here. Um, I, I think the next thing I kind of look at when I think of Bruce Arians is like uh, the media sessions, the the interviews. You know, standing in the podium, you know, the ramifications there. Just of, hey, listen. I thought he was one of my favorite coaches to listen to during press conferences. I loved him. I really did. Of course, he was always good for a four-letter word that I love. Right? He did did, did that. He's extremely honest wasn't afraid to say some things a little bit and every now and then where you're like, whoa, whoa, I can't believe he said that. I mean, he he spoke out against Brady when he didn't play good, all of that. Uh, I, I'll miss – hey, there goes Mike. He's gone again. We're allergic to him. The whole network is allergic to him. I'll, I'll miss that. I'll miss the different – shades of color he turns during the year during press conferences too he's got all those issues there so hey good you're back Good, great, great to have you I'm still here I think the whole network's allergic to you me Peter King the cameras we're all like a little like you're pollen that's what you are you're pollen
0: well the, the camera <laughs> issues hadn't happened for a long time I really do think somebody down in Tampa is pulling some strings somewhere to try to shut me up how about this one before my camera goes dark again no ramifications at all none that the biggest ramification is everything moves forward. And look, we've, we've seen and heard nothing yet. No, oh my God, what are we going to do without Bruce Arians? No, no lamentations from Tom Brady, Ryan Jensen, any of the guys who came back or joined the team. Nobody's saying, hey, where's, where's the Super Bowl winning head coach? How are we ever going to be as successful as we need to be? So maybe there'll be no
1: ramifications at all. Uh, maybe not you know I I think uh, listen it's fair to think that Uh, I think again this is a really talented football team uh but I'd be shocked I'd be shocked if there isn't some ramification there um I I guess the the last thing I'll go with here and I'm I'm actually having a hard time I got a few written down but I don't know if any of them are really that good uh, I, I think the, the thing I'll, I'll just go to Leftwich here. Leftwich, the fact that I think it just puts the spotlight on him completely. There's no interference from uh, way. Bruce. He's involved. Wait, this is his offense. Leftwich is just doing it. You know, this year it's gonna be we're all gonna be looking at him. You're the guy, and there's not gonna be you know any excuse of BA did this or BA did that or any of that. Uh, the the ramifications of just again we're gonna. I guess, look at him a little bit more closely, Leftwich, and that'll prepare him, hopefully, for a head coaching job. This one isn't a ramification yet,
0: but it's a question that never would have been asked if Bruce Arians was still the coach. Will Antonio Brown return? It's a question you can ask now, because it was clear Arians was the one that wanted him the hell out of there. And maybe his exit fractured things with Tom Brady in a way that could not be repaired, but the guy can still play, and I know they've they've added Russell Gage and they have Chris Godwin and they have Mike Evans, so maybe it's not even an issue from a football standpoint, but you don't even ask the question if Arians is there. Arians is gone, and you at least say, I don't know, maybe, but will he? I don't know. It's a conversation to have that never would have been had under Arians. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this oh there's oh there's and dominican sue could be back there's a ramification yeah, I like that still feels one man light on talent so maybe sue will be back as well now we'll take a break more pft live right after this john mcclain our good friend from the houston chronicle retiring after 47 years he covered the oilers he's got some great houston Oilers stories he covered the NFL when there was no team in Houston. And now he has covered the Texans since they joined the league in 2002. He's very close friends with Shereen Williams. They sat elbow to elbow at over 20 Super Bowls. And uh, great guy. All, and just got that great Texas voice. I love listening to him. I could listen to him all day long. And uh, congratulations,
1: John, on a great career. Yeah, congratulations. He's a legend. He really is. He's a legend down in Texas. Known him for a long, long time. You know, every now and then he'd he'd slum it and come down to the University of Texas and write an article about you know a college team or a college kid. John McClain, great legend, uh, legend writer.
0: Thanks for some of your time as always. See you at five o'clock
1: Eastern for PFTPM. Chris, enjoy the week. See your ya. I will. Don't worry. Get to work tomorrow. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home to move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery.